0: Right. Hi, everyone. Hi, this is Dr. Karen Hardy. Welcome to Flip This Frizz Podcast. Today, my guest is Dr. Mark uh, Goldston. He is a former, a former clinical psychiatrist. He's the author of seven books, and one of his top books is entitled Just Listen. It's a top book, and he's on LinkedIn, and this is where he trains a, a lot of uh, C-suite and CEOs and leaders about listening more than talking. Mark, welcome to the show.
1: Well, I'm glad to be on, Karen. I can hardly wait to see what kind of trouble we get in and get out of by the end of the podcast.
0: <laughs> I think we're already in trouble, Mark. <laughs> I think we're already starting for the most part. Listen, I want to thank you for your time. You know, this podcast is all about, you know, high achievers and how they relate to risk, whether their relationship or risk taking and how that influences their leadership abilities. And then I think there's a lot that other people can learn from other people's lessons. So that's why you're here today. So tell me a little bit about the biggest risk, some of the biggest risks you've ever taken.
1: Well, um, I was fortunate to have seven mentors. They've all died. My last mentor was a guy named Warren Bennis. And if you look up the name Warren Bennis, he's a big leadership guy. I know, uh, yeah. You know, he mentored Howard Schultz at Starbucks, advised several presidents. And um, I miss him because we need uh, leadership. And... um, so, I've really been uh, fortunate. and uh, But I think the biggest risk I took, and, and and what he taught me, the reason I'm bringing him up, he had this great quote that he borrowed from a playwright called Saul Bellow. And the, the quote was be a first class noticer. Wow. And noticing is different than looking and watching and seeing. When you notice something, you grab onto it, you bond to it. And I've been recently doing some uh, presentations to entrepreneur groups and what's interesting there's one recently where the woman the only woman in the entrepreneur you know networking group she was amazing and you could tell all the other people who were uh, and she was from the philippines but you could tell the other entrepreneurs were a little standoffish and envious of her and i said to them i said uh, how'd you like to figure out how to think like Jennifer, because she thinks like Elon Musk. You interested in that? They were interested. Yeah. And I said, what Jennifer does is she sees the unknown as an adventure to be lived. The rest of you see it as danger. And she sees it as an adventure to be lived because she has a track record of stepping into the unknown and trusting that something will come out of it. That she will discover something. Why? Because she's just done that forever. Right. But the rest of you are a tad controlling. And you're scared of the unknown because what are you gonna do with all that inventory? What are you gonna do with everything? And so being a first class noticer into the unknown and just see what it'll reveal to you is one of the keys to taking the risk out. Now, if you see the unknown as scary, you're not gonna take risk. So I bring that around because something that I said to Karen before we started, which she felt, well, you wanna go with it, Dr. Mark, let's go for it. Um, I wanna talk a little bit about Black Lives Matter. I'll tell you why. Uh, I was an advisor to the prosecution in the O.J. Simpson trial. I worked with Marsha Clark Chris, uh, Chris Darden. And when the not guilty verdict came in, whites felt, what a, what a terrible injustice, this is awful.
0: Yeah.
1: And black people rejoiced. You know, when I was on the white side and I went to my black friends, because I thought, I'll bet they know what injustice feels like.
0: Yeah, I bet. <laughs>
1: and I went to them, especially the black males, And I said, wow, this feels like it's stacked against you. This feels like you can't get a break. And I thought you might feel like that. Have you ever felt like that? And every one of my black friends, especially the man, they said, I've never felt anything other than that. That's all I felt, forever. And I looked at them and I said, why didn't you tell me it was so bad? And I don't want to use an expletive, but you can use the imaginative. But they said because you didn't expletive want to know, and they looked right through me. And Karen, it just cut me. I didn't like what I felt.
0: Have you ever the, felt that way before? The way you felt at that moment. What was different? I mean, what was different about it? Why this particular?
1: Well, well, well the different is what shame is. Guilt is wrongdoing. Shame is wrong being. Shame is when you do something or you fail to do something that's out of alignment with who you believe yourself to be. And I think shame is a great motivator for us to become better. Much better motivator than guilt, because guilt you pay your penance and okay, you know, I'm all free, I'll just do it again. But shame, if it bothers you, which it did me, Uh, it was just so out of alignment. So at that point, um, ever since then, I have focused on anyone who's been marginalized, thrown to the side, women, blacks, elderly, anyone who is hardworking and talented who deserves their shot. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna do everything I can to get them it. And I was the co-host on a black radio show called The Zo What Morning Show. I think it's still going. It's on Dash Radio. And there's two incredibly smart black co-hosts and me. In fact, one of them, Jeff Brown, who's a comedian, said, you know, and the nickname for me was Whitey Locks. You said said Whitey Locks? Did you say Whitey Locks? Yeah, Whitey Locks, like Goldilocks.
0: Like Goldilocks. I don't it as much. (laughs) Okay. No,
1: no, 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 You might say, boy, did they dare call you that? I said, no, I gave them the name. I said, look, this is radio. Call me Whitey Locks. It's good. So, uh, uh, and Jeff Brown said to me, he says, you know, you know, Doc, I'm going to have to change the way I feel about white people, especially white men, because you're so much different. You know, you treat us like human beings. And I said, Well, don't change it so fast because the white people don't like me either.
0: (laughs) Well, I was going to get to that point, Mark, in terms of that being a risk for you. I mean, you know, taking that stance, right? Taking that shame and actually using this shame to transform yourself was a risk for you because I was going to ask, you know, what were the other white people saying to you about your change? Were they happy, not happy? Did it make a difference? Tell me a little
1: bit about that. Well, to be honest, they didn't really care. I mean, it's, it's you know, this is a, uh, uh, Dash Radio is a pretty big, you know, station. But, you know, to be honest, they didn't know I was doing it because they were too busy doing what they were doing, which is, uh, you know, focusing on themselves. Um, and, uh, but it transformed me. Um, and so that's, this is what I do in life, mm-hmm. is uh, uh, I I had seven mentors, they've all died, and I miss them, and they what happened is they believed in me when I didn't, they saw a future for me when I didn't, they saw value in me when I didn't, uh, and some of them went to bat for me when I couldn't, and so I've been paying that forward ever since. So even before the OJ trial, well, I'll just tell you a quick story. Uh, I've accomplished a fair amount, but my biggest personal, professional accomplishment is I dropped out of medical school twice and I finished.
0: How do you, fa- we'll talk about that later, but how do you fa- drop out of medical school twice? I guess two, two starts,
1: huh? Well, what happened is I think I had untreated depression, and so uh, I, I would be I reading books, I'd be highlighting the books, and I just couldn't hold on to it first time I dropped out, I took a blue-collar job, and I loved it. My brain came back at a blue-collar level, then I came back, and then three months later after coming back, I took a year off, it was all back again. So I, took another, I was miraculously passing, and so I took a leave of absence, I asked for a second leave of absence, and I met with the head of the school, and he really cared about funding, and I can understand from his position let's cut our losses. He dropped out once, he's gonna drop out again, we're losing matching funds. So he sent a letter to the Dean of Students, who was just a PhD, you know, he, mm-hmm. he wasn't even a medical doctor. And the, and the letter basically said, we've, uh, uh, and I met with the head of the school, and I don't even remember what we talked about, but the letter said to the Dean, I've met with Mr. Goulston, I wasn't a doctor. Uh, and we talked about another career and I'm advising the promotions committee that he be asked to withdraw. So I was I wasn't failing anything. But and then I asked the dean of students, I was pretty low, Karen. I said, What yeah. does this mean? And he said, You've been kicked out. And I'm not a religious person, but a miracle happened. So when he said that, it felt like a gunshot wound. And I and I know what that's like because I've had I had perforated cold and I almost died about Twelve years ago, and it was just like that. He said, "You've been kicked out." And I went, oh. yeah. and then I felt something wet on my cheek, and I thought I was bleeding. I mean, literally, I, I, was, I didn't. I kept looking at my hands, yeah. and it was tears. And so, imagine if you're there at a low point, you don't know, you know, what you can do. Um, and I come from a background where my parents with depression and so you know you're basically your your worth is what you do if you can't do anything you're not worth much yeah. so i don't know if you can understand that that conditional kind of love
0: oh yeah i can understand that <laughs> i can totally understand that
1: so imagine
0: what, yeah that's, like, so, that's like that's a common thread you know yeah. anyone anyone can feel that
1: so, so imagine what you know is conditional love and the condition is a uh, Uh, And I think my parents loved me, but the condition was your worth is what you do. And if you didn't feel you could do anything, you didn't feel worthwhile. So imagine I'm hearing this, you've been kicked out. uh, And this gets back to being a first-class noticer. And uh, the dean of students, he says to me, he says, look at me. Because, you know, I went like this, like I was shot. He said, look at me and he said to me um um you didn't mess up because you're passing stuff but you're pretty messed up Mm. but if you got unmessed up i think the school would be glad they gave you a second chance because you have a streak of goodness in you that the world needs and we don't grade it enough in medical school And you won't know how much the world needs your goodness until you're 35, but you're going to make it till you're 35. And I'm looking away and he says, look at me. So I'm noticing again. And he says, you deserve to be on this planet and you're going to let me help you. And so he appealed. He stood up to the whole medical school for me and said, there's something about him and we're going to give them a second chance. And, it, yeah. and so what happened is it flipped the switch inside me. And so I've been paying it forward ever since. I was a suicide prevention specialist for 30 years, and none of my patients killed themselves. And I just paid it forward, Karen.
0: You know I what? Just Ma- paid it yeah, that's 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 an incredible story because I think that your story is colorless meaning that that could also be my story. And so many other people wish they had that story that someone said to them, you know, I'm gonna stand up for you, Uh, you matter. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have great contributions inside of you. Really day to day, that's all we all seek and, and really hunger for. It's not much, but even you see through your experience how those words changed you and words are so powerful and I think you can relate to that and I think that now in this particular time and period you have an experience that you had I think words matter the most and listening right and noticing you know taking the time to just take a second before you speak put yourself in someone's shoes empathetically it doesn't matter who you are I can do the same for you, you can do, do the same for me, but I just wanted to, to I just it just crossed my mind that what you just said there is so powerful because a lot of us walk out the door or wake up in the morning wishing and hoping someone would say something like that to us and that yeah. we do matter and we can make a difference.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I could, uh, and thanks for being in this conversation, Karen, because this is, a you were taking a risk to get into it. <laughs>
0: You know, you're you're, full, you're fully loaded Karen. <laughs> you're fully
1: in this one. We're in this one together.
0: I don't I don't mind talking to people who who different from me. I want to hear what you have to say. And but I want you to listen to what I have to say. No yeah. pretension and I need authenticity is very important. Um so listen, it, with that said and I know your time is limited what uh tell me more about your book listen just listen and how we can use that book to get us through these these times right now
1: so just listen um it's in 24 languages uh i speak around the world i spoke in moscow to a thousand russian ceos and managers along with a nobel prize winner named daniel kahneman he wrote a book called thinking fast and slow Mm -hmm. so you know to highlight to, to headline with someone like that was pretty amazing and and what just listen is about is how to cause people to feel felt which is different than causing them to feel understood feeling understood is good but it's cognitive Mm -hmm. but when you cause someone to feel felt and accepted for what they feel and even valued for what they feel i'm telling you karen you do that people cave into you from all the pain Mm -hmm. just being alone just being alone for so long and in fact it's something that I am doing Uh, doing a lot of writing about uh, racial uh, bias and abuse and people can go to my website markgoulston.com because I got Mm -hmm. a lot of blogs there and I write for Thrive Global I've written for Harvard Business Review for Business Insider I'm all over the place yeah Uh, but recently I wrote something and I want to get this message across, especially if you're a white person and even if you're a black person. So I wrote a recent blog called uh, how to keep black lives mattering. And the idea and what I, what the article is about is if you're white and you really care about this, Go up to your black friends, colleagues, and ask them three questions. Kind of what I did after the OJ trial. Go up to them and say, uh, uh, have you ever felt discriminated against, profiled, abused? They're gonna say yes. Ask them. How long has that been going on? They're gonna wanna look away because this is a very intimate, but a good conversation. And and if they wanna look away, you say to them, no, no, look me in the eye because I need to hear what you're gonna tell me. And they're gonna say, for as long as I can remember. And then the next question is, at its worst, at its absolute worst, how bad did that get for you? take me to one of the incidents so you're inviting them to unload something that's in there but you gotta stay you gotta stay with them and and they may be hesitant you could say no no I need to hear this and they're gonna tell you and then say to them you're my friend why didn't you ever tell me it was that awful and i don't know what that maybe they'll say well i didn't want to burden you whatever but as i said after the oj trial what turned my head around with my friends saying you didn't want to know and it's a great it's a great motivator for empathy mm-hmm. so that's what the blog's about i'm asking Everything. every white person over the age of 10 because black people feel this from a young age you know they're their they're teacher in second grade treating them differently than the white kids. But I think if you yeah. reach out, if you ask them those questions and you got to keep looking them in the eye and when they tell you whatever they tell you, you got to keep looking them in the eye and you need to say, I'm, I'm so sorry and I'm going to do a better job of being aware of that.
0: And that's a good place to start. And that's all, that's all any of us can ask for. Right is mm-hmm. effort, and then you know the any transformation or change that that comes from that. And um, I tell you, uh, I didn't expect this conversation um, to be as uh, open and, and honest and authentic as it was. Um, I appreciate you being here. Um, I appreciate the work that you're doing as well. So if they, again, if they want to go to your website, they can just go to markbolston.com.
1: Yeah, and see your work dot ncom also I have a podcast called My Wake Up Call and I speak with influencers and I basically ask them uh, and we'll have you on as a guest that would be great I I ask them, I say um, what's your purpose in life? what do you think you were born to do or meant to do? and it can't just be about material success how to succeed I'm not against that but this is not what that podcast is about mm-hmm. and I've had people on like Larry King Norman Lear a guy named Ken Blanchard the one-minute manager yeah. um, and 70 I've done 110 episodes I'm, I'm posting two a week and and most of the people have said this is the most personal <laughs> conversation I've had in public and I've told all of them we don't have to post it. In fact, ahead of time, I say you know a a, a PR person will say, oh my, you know my my client has a new book, and I'll say, do um, you know what my podcast is about? It's not about selling stuff.
0: It's about people, right? <laughs> the about people. Person. That's right.
1: And what, and what happens is, like what I'm what I'm hoping people will get from our conversation and they seem to be getting from my wake-up call, is I really want people to fall in love with my guests. I want them to say, this is a good person. I don't know what they're about, but I'm going to check them out. I'm going to support them because they were open and they're good and they care. So that's what it's about. It's bringing that out. Oh, yeah. I, I told you. not yeah. anything.
0: Uh, totally 100% and that's what this podcast is about too, you know, I don't care what your title is, organization you work for, at the end of the day, you are a person and you have things within within you, right? We all have habits, behaviors, whatever it is, and we carry that with us and it influences how we work, operate, interact with people, you know, and it takes, uh, you know, it's very useful and positive thing to just take a moment to do some self-observation at times you know, and I think we're all trying to really get better. And uh, so, I mean, that's all the time that we have today, Mark. Um, I can't believe that was the fastest 45 minutes I've spent. And um, again, I really do appreciate your time, the work that you're doing. And I really look forward to talking to you soon.
1: Same here, kind, and, and bless you for the work you're doing.
0: Much appreciated
1: because you care about your listeners you care about giving them value you care about giving them hope I can I can read between the words and I watch some of your shows and you do that so if you're listening in you ch- forget about me you check Karen Hardy out. you check what she's about go watch some of the other episodes and write reviews we, get, we, we gotta support this whole thing we're all in this together
0: absolutely and thank you so much everyone for watching Flip This Wrist I'm Dr. Karen Hardy and I'll check you next time.